elder fraud during COVID-19. What were the crooks up to when the rest of us had our hands full? Josh Jones from Bressler, Amory, and Ross joins us. I'm Lawrence Clady, and this is Legal Talk Today. Welcome back, listeners. Hope you're having a great day out there wherever you might be. We are long overdue to talk about today's topic elder fraud. Our guest and good friend, Josh, who we're going to meet here in a minute, brought this up to me and I'm so glad he did. But first, we need to thank our sponsor for their continued support, Noda. Noda is powered by m Bank because you went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. How true? Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Visit trustnoda.com forward slash legal to learn more. And that's Noda spelled N-O-T-A. Terms and conditions may apply. All right, let's meet our guest, Josh Jones. He's a principal at the law firm of Bressler, Amory, and Russ. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Lawrence. I appreciate you having me on. Well, no, yes, thank you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you so much for sending me an email about a great topic to uh, cover. I'm just embarrassed. I didn't think of it before, but you're right. It's such an important issue and it's such a vulnerable time for seniors when it comes to elder fraud. But you know, before we get into that, why don't you tell us about the work you do at Bressler, Amory, and Russ? Yeah, uh, thanks. So I am a litigator by trade. I largely defend uh, financial firms when they're sued by their clients, uh, brokerage firms, uh, banks, registered investment advisors, things along those lines. And I got interested in the senior space about five years ago and, and really started looking at some of the things that were going on and, and some of the efforts being made by the industry, by uh, regulators to protect seniors. And, and it's something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. And so I am also the co-chair of the firm's uh, Senior and Vulnerable Investor Group. You know, I also wanted to mention, uh, Josh, that you've been helping us out with Litigation Radio. It's a brand new show that we launched on Legal Talk Network. We're working in conjunction with your AVA litigation section there. And so far, we're off and runs four episodes deep. It's a great show. I'm so excited about it. I, I think it's a, a great thing for the section. I, I, we've got some great guests lined up. I'd encourage everybody to give it a try. Yeah, I'll put a link for that show in our show notes as well there, Josh, and we maybe we can refer some of the listeners from Legal Talk today. So well, let's get into our topic. You know, uh, this is elder fraud, and, you know, I think this has been a big season for that, but I want to start with the baby boomer generation. And so there's two big generations right now. There's the baby boomer generation, and then there's the millennials. Those are the two biggest generations we have right now. And so the baby boomers, of course, are older, and they're getting ready to retire. In fact, some of them have crossed that grand Rubicon, and now they're into retirement mode, but others are catching up. They're getting closer to those retirement days. And so, Josh, you know, the baby boomer generation has quite a bit of wealth wrapped up into, and it makes sense because they've been out there working the longest here, you know, compared to the millennials. And so they're going to have a lot more assets on their side, but it's a big deal that this generation is beginning retirement. There's a lot wrapped up to it. So maybe if you could share some stats on the wealth that's about to get transitioned into retirement mode. Well, it's an incredible amount of wealth. And as you see the, the population aging over time, it's just going to become more and more concentrated. The estimates are, are pretty sobering when you look at them. And by 2030, nearly one in five U.S. residents will be age 65 or older. That's wow. 20% of the population. By you know 2029, so just a year prior to that, uh, boomers are going to have financial assets of $26 trillion. That's with a TR trillion dollars. They currently control over 70% of the disposable income. And you know, along with that are numbers that are really kind of sobering on, on the fraud that, that they're experiencing as well. 
So there's obviously a big magnet for that kind of wealth as it transitions into retirement mode. But, uh, you know, speaking of which, you know, just like in terms of these retirement assets for our senior citizens and soon to be senior citizens, there's a lot of different things that we need to be looking out for. And you start talking about principle of the retirement assets and things like that. But, you know, kind of walk us through a quick list of different assets that we really need to be paying close attention to as we get closer to our retirement days. Well, there's a lot of different factors that, that affect a senior's ability um, and vulnerability with respect to fraud and ability to replace that income. Seniors are particularly affected by the loss of monies because they're typically retired, so they don't have you know, ready access to replace loss principle. Uh, a lot of seniors are on fixed income, whether it's Social Security, whether it's you know a pension or retirement funds. Uh, so they're, they're dealing with limited income, and so that makes them particularly susceptible to uh, you know fraudulent schemes, promising returns, you know things along those lines. And as people age, uh, they they lose some of their ability to you know appreciate complex financial problems, complex issues, you know things along those lines. So there's there's a lot of different factors going into you know why the senior population is particularly vulnerable. Well, during the pandemic, a lot of our senior citizens either self-isolated or were isolated by some assisted care facilities trying to get our senior citizens away from the just general public because they are particularly more vulnerable to COVID-19. And so in that process of doing that, you know, you have people not in ready contact with family members or friends that are going to be looking out for them. So that really opens the door for fraudsters out there. So in terms of some of the elder fraud, just in trends, you know, what have you seen and has there been any uh, sort of, you know, unique to COVID times, typical scheme that you've seen out there? Well, there. You know, think about this for a second, Lawrence. You've got people that are out there in the world actively thinking about how to steal money from seniors. <laughs> I mean, this it, it, just—it's so you know, just mind-boggling to me that someone has that that you know view of life and, and of Agreed. right and wrong. And, and but they are—they are actively, and some of it is individuals. Some of it are it, it consists of criminal enterprises. But any circumstance. Any type of disruption, whether it's in the markets, whether it's in in the world, they're going to use those as opportunities to prey on the vulnerable. And COVID is perfect. As you said, the quarantine, you know, the sense of isolation just exacerbated the problems. But we saw scams from everything from COVID vaccines uh, to uh, COVID cleanups, you know, come, we'll come, you know, clean your house, you know, things along those lines. But not to mention just the, the typical you know, the Russian bride scam, the, the Nigerian prince, the grandson who's been imprisoned in a Central American jail and needs you to wire money overseas. I mean, there, there's so many different avenues. And I'll say one thing about COVID that I, I think made it a little different is, so when people, you know, effectively went into quarantine or went into isolation, they were relying on technology that they might not have been used to to communicate, whether it's Zoom, whether it's you know some type of online platform, uh, whether it's you know whatever it might be, and so you've got an unfamiliarity with technology that fraudsters are you know ready to take advantage of. So it's it really is just a, a perfect storm for exploitation of seniors and other vulnerable clients. Yeah, I agree with your sentiments there. I mean, elder fraud is just particularly odious, and you're taking advantage of people that are in their older years. They've you know 
many of them have long since retired and, you know, they're, they're not in that same physical capacity they were when they were much younger and they cannot replace those resources. That's what they need to make it through the rest of their life as comfortably as they can possibly make it. But yeah, you're right. You know, it's the technology gap. I think that's a big part of it as well. They're using technology they're not familiar with. They're forced to use it because of the remote conditions and they don't have all of those years of experience as people like in the, the main workforce that have made a lot of mistakes and lost along the way, seeing some of those frauds come up. And so, yeah, they're particularly in that uh, vulnerable spot. So, well, let's do this, uh, Josh. You know, if, um, you know, people getting back together, they're beginning to see some of their older relatives for the first time in quite some time. And maybe they notice that they're just not quite the same as they were the year before. You know, it's been a long time and they're beginning to kind of worry. And so uh, just to kind of help them out, give them a reference point, you know, what are some of the signs that you typically see when diminished capacity might be on the horizon? So the, the one I like to highlight, because we talk on this topic a lot, we present to financial institutions, we, we talk to brokers, and we hear, you know, field stories and, and get reports of, you know, frankly, horror stories. The one I like to focus on is confusion. If they're evidencing confusion over, you know, something that's pretty straightforward, you know, that, that's a, a huge red flag. Memory loss, obviously, uh, you know, if you've got someone who is consistently resetting online passwords who is you know, asking for a check to be issued when it was issued yesterday, who's you know, repeating themselves, asking whether bills were paid, you know, things along those lines. I think those are huge red flags. Disorientation, change in appearance, change in physical appearance, whether it's cleanliness, whether it's you know, just a, a, a change in whether they look healthy or not. I mean, that those can be signs of diminished capacity. So those are just some of the, the kind of the the recognized signs that regulators are flagging for people to be aware of and that your listeners might might see uh, you know hopefully not but should be on the lookout and a related question, Josh, you know, signs of fraud, you know, some of these frauds uh, that come out there, they uh, they kind of attack similar assets. And so maybe there's a pattern. So, you know, just if you're a concerned relative out there, maybe just give them some clues of things to look for. Absolutely. And, and so I'll say one thing right off the bat, you know, we've talked about the fraudsters and, and the people who are, you know, you think like Russian mob, you know, intentionally trying to, to scam people. But the substantial majority of senior financial exploitation is done by someone close to the senior, done by a family member or a friend or a caretaker. So you've, you've got to kind of be on the watch, you know, the lookout for that. And along those lines, a red flag that, that might be a sign of exploitation is someone who is just popped up on the scene, whether it's a long lost nephew who has suddenly taken an interest in in his aunt's uh, financial situation. And there may be a perfectly reasonable explanation for that, but it's something that should uh, give you a pause for concern. If there's suddenly a caretaker that that went from you know maybe a nurse to now having some type of control or seeming control over the checkbook, you know that that may be an issue. Uh, some other examples are unexplained or dramatic changes in investment style. For instance, uh, you know a sudden interest in get rich quick schemes or in taking you know, aggressive risk with equities or you know alternative investments or cryptocurrency, something like that. Changes in withdrawals. Uh, you know, if you've got someone who who's withdrawn money, you know, consistently, you know, two thousand dollars a month for the last five years, and all of a sudden is taking out twenty thousand dollars here and five thousand dollars there, that's an issue. Suspicious signatures. You know, look look at the documents being signed. Do they look like your family members, your client's signature? And then in any abrupt changes in 
estate planning, you know, things along those lines. Again, there could be very valid explanations for that, but that's at least something that that you want to give some thought to. Well, let's talk about preventative measures. And so, you know, if, if you start to notice that uh, mom or dad or grandma or grandpa is beginning to show those signs of diminished capacity and you start to recognize some of those telltales that there may be something suspicious going on, Josh, what are the recommended next steps? Well, I, I think the first step is to talk to the family member and, and to to have a difficult conversation and, and see, you know, is it time for a power of attorney to be appointed in the financial situation, particularly with a brokerage account? The client can add a trusted contact, which is someone that the broker or the advisor can call with questions or call with concerns if uh, you know mom and dad aren't doing so well. But you know, it's time to to have that conversation with with the the loved one and see if they need help. Um, you know, maybe get permission to talk to their doctor and see if the doctor's noticed anything. Um, so you know, the, those kind of difficult conversations are ones that that really need to be had. The other, you know, the 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 final step, kind of along those lines, I guess, would be the appointment of a guardian. Okay. Uh, you know, if the person is is unable to make financial uh, decisions, unable to make decisions in their best interests, then you know, you could petition the court for a conservator or a guardian. Okay, and just a related follow up there. Now, you mentioned talking with a doctor, medical professional. Uh, you obviously talking about attorneys and things like that as well. But you know the array of professional services that are out there that can help seniors. You know what other services should a concerned family member be investigating? Yeah, so FINRA, which is the regulatory agency that oversees broker dealers, has a, has a great one eight hundred number. Well, actually, it's one eight four four fifty seven helps. So 1-844-574-3577. It's a hotline that senior investors or their loved ones can call to get assistance from FINRA to raise concerns about brokerage accounts, investments, things along those lines. So that's a great resource. There are a lot of other uh, regulators, particularly in the financial industry space, that have a lot of interest in uh, you know helping seniors uh, and, and preventing exploitation. So you know, you've got those issues, uh, you've got those avenues for assistance, and, and there are multiple others that, you know, if you suspect fraud, you know, certainly report it, uh, you know, have a discussion with the advisor, have a discussion with the advisor's manager, you know, you can get local law enforcement involved. I mean, local law enforcement is happy to make, um, you know, health and wellness checks on seniors. And then, of course, there's always adult protective services, in most states, those entities aren't well equipped to deal with financial fraud. They're more concerned with physical abuse and things along those lines. Um, but they could certainly have resources that they could refer you to. And in some states, you know, it varies state by state, but you even have an obligation to report suspected abuse. So, uh, you know, those are you know, kind of all things to, to think about and, and consider. Last question for you there, uh, Josh. You know, if, if someone's uh, retirement assets do become depleted or at least stolen at some point, in terms of recovery, you know, what are some laws that you can turn to or services that can maybe stop the theft or maybe recoup some of those fraudulent transactions? So there's a series of state laws that have been passed around the country. They're called report and hold laws, and, and these laws allow brokerage firms and other financial institutions to put a hold on either a transaction or a disbursement. Again, that varies by state, but it allows them to put a hold on you know, certain transactions when they have a reasonable suspicion that exploitation has occurred, is occurring, or, or will occur. So if you notify the financial institution that you believe a fraud is imminent or has taken place, 
then the firm can take steps to, you know, in effect, freeze the account, put restrictions on the account so that uh, the fraud, you know, the money may stay in the account. It, it, it may, you can cut out some of the potential harm before it happens. Now, if the money's left the account, it's very important for seniors and you know their advisors to move quickly uh, because once the money leaves, it's very difficult to recover. Typically in these situations, you find that you know whether it's the nephew or whether it's a fraudster, you know, whoever, the money's going to be spent fairly quickly. So it is it is important to to act expeditiously and, and to try to uh, limit the damage the best you can. Well, Josh, thank you so much for joining us today. It was great talking with you. Thanks, Lawrence. And thank you listeners for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And one more thank you to our sponsor, Nota. You can find them at trustnota.com forward slash legal. That's Nota spelled N-O-T-A. And last but never, ever least, thank you to our team producer, Molly McDonough, and our LTN audio crew for all their hard work. Much appreciated. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody. (laughs) 